0: I want to give you reasons from Scripture why we print John Romans. This is a series, and this is basically a study, not just a study, but information to explain why we do what we do. Sometimes people ask, why do you do this, or why do you do that? Is it just half chance? There are some things it's just half chance that we're doing certain things, but there are definite reasons in most everything we're doing. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Now I can tell you that there would be a multitude of passages that could be used as foundation for what I'm going to say tonight and on through the rest of the month of January in the Sunday evening services. But we are going to go through the book of John and the book of Romans before we're finished in this series to show you content in the book of John and in the book of Romans as to why those books are so crucially important Now, before I read the text, let me tell you what a wise old man who was on the mission field, God brought him back home because of some health reasons with his wife and a few others. And he began teaching the Bearing Precious Seed seminars and uh, giving the material that God used to stir my heart to a great extent. He's now home with the Lord. Bowie, Texas. What a blessing Don Frazier was to the whole world of Bible printing and publishing, and to Bearing Precious Seed Ministries. The Bearing Precious Seed Ministry didn't originate in uh, Ohio. It didn't really originate with Don Fraser, But Don Frazier is the person who had the heavy burden for printing of the Scriptures to come back to the church where it belongs. And let me say, that was a conviction that the Lord uh, definitely developed in my heart, that churches ought to be responsible for Scripture, since God did not give His Word to printing, and publishing houses. He gave His Word to the local church. Now, when you search the Scripture, we argue we want to be fundamental, we want to be uh, biblical, we want to follow Scripture, but we don't follow Scripture. We read the Scripture and then we take off down the road as we see fit in our own fancy, and we just don't make the Scripture our, our guideline, our blueprint. The Lord gave the Word of God to the local churches. And it was the local churches that reproduced and multiplied copies of the Scriptures, and distributed among the local churches that were being established by the Apostle Paul and those thereafter. Now, Don Frazier said, We start with John Romans because we are in the ministry of missions and evangelism. And the John Romans is designed to reach the unsaved as a portion of Scripture. When someone gets saved in, they need a whole New Testament. And when they have been saved for a short time, it's evident that they are hungry for the Word of God. You can afford to give them a whole Bible. Now, if they want to buy it themselves and pay for it, let them buy a whole Bible right up front. That's okay, but they're spending their money. But when we're giving it away, we need to be as wise as we can be and frugal with God's money. And there are people that will just throw something away. They won't use it. Uh, if you've ever been around where tracts are given out, you'll see that. You'll see the ground covered and littered with tracts that people have given out that the recipients didn't want them. They uh, just threw them on the ground. That's often the way it is with John Romans. You don't want to see whole Bibles being done that with. And in some countries, when you give Bibles out, there are black marketers who will take those whole Bibles and turn around and sell them. They'll strike through the front of the Bible that says not for resale. They'll black that out and then sell those Bibles to make money off of the Scriptures. Well, our purpose is to give the Scriptures away, not profiteer off of the Bible. And so we have to be wise. have to be extremely wise. Now, what I want to give you tonight is foundational to everything else that goes in this printing ministry. My heart's been burdened for the printing ministry for years and years and years but especially did I see the vision and understand the whole thing after visiting with Dennis Deno, visiting with Don Fraser in Bowie, Texas, and watching what was going. And we started on a small scale downstairs. The first project we did was a little hand-sized copy of a Spanish John Romans that was going to Mexico City. They printed, I think it was some $3 million to be distributed in Mexico City. We still have some of the covers. That's print Shop, by the way. If you're interested in seeing those, I don't know why we've kept them around just for nostalgia, I guess. Boy, those were a tough job to do, too. But we did them. We put the covers on them. We did the stapling and the trimming. Sent them out. They sent them to Mexico. And from there to where we are today. And let me give you something just to chew on. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And the gospel was to go from the east to the west, and we're to reach from the east to the west. And Iraq is in the east, and the Fiji Islands are guess where? I don't know if that thrilled anybody else, but it does me. We're in the middle of a project that reaches and spans from the east to the west. What a joy. I want to see the, the Lord doing those things again and again, and it's such a blessing. Brother First said, there's five churches now in Fiji that want to be involved in this project. Six. It's gone to six that want to have their church information printed on the covers of those John Romans that are going to Fiji. Now, I'd love to go to Fiji myself. That's warmer than uh, some places. All the way rock is a hot place, more ways than one. It would do everyone a tremendous good if you'd visit a mission field. And, and I haven't gotten into this yet. I'm just trying to stir your heart up. You ought to plan your vacation somewhere. Take the money you'd spend on a vacation and go to Mission Field. That'd be one of the best vacations you could ever take. You will not be the same when you come back. You just won't be the same. It costs a lot of money to go to these places. Yeah, no, no. We spend a lot of money on a lot of things, don't we? One of the ladies, Jeannie, works with at the hospital back when we were going to Australia for one of our trips. Made that trip six times. Said, boy, you almost be rich. That church must be paying you a lot of money. You get to travel to Australia and... You know, visit these places, and they're thinking spending great sums of money staying in expensive motels and hotels and all these places to eat. And I said to Jeannie, how much money are they spending on things for themselves? We just don't spend money on those areas, and then we go to these mission trips. What a blessing. What a blessing it is. And I want to challenge all of you. Before 2004 is up, if you spend... A thousand dollars on a vacation trip sometime. You plan a vacation trip to mission field. There'd be people glad to have you come visit them. I guarantee you they would. See what they are experiencing, and it'll bring missions right to your heart, to your front door. Tremendous blessing to do so. Go up to the jail and walla walla, they'll let you visit there. Might keep you for a while. Now let's read. Ecclesiastes chapter eleven, verses one through six. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb, of have heard that it's with child. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Now let's pray. Father, may the Holy Spirit give understanding, instruction to our hearts and minds. And Lord, may there be a solid foundation for the developing of our printing ministry. The guys are putting together plans and options for us in expanding the print shop. The funds have been coming in, little by little, to do that very thing. We can trust you for the funds to accomplish it. And dear Lord, the great need of getting the Word of God out to the ends of the world what a blessing that our church can be a vital part in that. I pray that you would give us an understanding from Scripture as to why we do what we do. And may we go forth with great confidence, knowing that we're doing that which you have commanded us to do. In the name of Christ I pray. Amen. Illogic illogically is the statement in verse one Cast thy bread upon the waters. You don't want to put your bread on the waters, it makes it soggy, right? This has nothing to do with physical bread. This has something to do with something else. And there is a lot of symbolic wording and language in Scripture. The word waters is one of them. And I'll show you that in just a minute. I want to break these verses down into a simple outline. Write down number one. You've got no paper and you should have you have a bulletin. Number one, cast thy bread upon the waters. Let me show you from the Bible... What Bible bread is. You should know before I show you. But let me give you some verses. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. Why the Gospel of John? Here's one of the major reasons why. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. It's that simple. Look at verse 48. I am the bread of life. He states it the second time. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The physical, personal bread is the Lord Jesus Himself. He said so. The unsaved world needs this bread. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Don't keep it at home. Cast it on the waters. What good is it to retain the message of Christ in your own spirit and never tell anybody about Him? That doesn't solve problems in other people's lives. I rejoice in what He's done for me. And I rejoice so much that I want everybody else to know about it. Let other people know what Christ has done for you. Now, I'm going to pick on one or two or three people in here tonight. And I'll start with Brett. Brett, stand up. Better yet, can I get you to come up here? Now, let me show you that that God does major things in people's lives, not just to save them, but to prepare them for something down the road. Many months and several years after we put that Spanish John Romans together, the door opened for us to have that web press. And we had a meeting in here. Remember that? And it was Al Traywick, and Al was not contentious at all. But he had a good logical question. He said, that sounds like a very complex piece of equipment. Who could run that thing? Any of you were in the meeting, and you remember that, and the questions asked, who could run that that kind of machine? And this guy here, sitting out there so unassumingly, he had just gotten saved. I won't tell you what his life was like before his salvation. I'll let him do that whenever he wants to. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. God really saved him. When he saved him, he really saved him. He turned him upside down and inside out and changed his life. Andrew... Have you seen the change in your dad since he got, say, pretty good change in it? Brett quietly raised his hands that night, or a hand, and he said, Preacher, do you know what I do for a living? I said, Brett, I don't have the faintest idea what you do for a living. He said, I run printing presses. And God has put him in a bread factory. That's what he's in. He's in a bread factory. He runs a machine that produces loaves of bread for us to cast upon the waters. And I want to tell you, this guy's kind of special. Wanted him to know that in front of everybody. God put his hand on him, brought him here. He got saved. And God brought him here to be a blessing to the world with the scriptures. Had no idea when he raised his hands. you know what I do for a living? That he would produce bread in a bread factory to cast upon the waters in Iraq, in Fiji, in Russia. We can go on and on. I love you, Brett. Thank you. That's thy bread upon the waters. You can't do that if you don't have a bread factory. But God's given us a bread factory. God's given us a bread factory. You know, I walk around down the print shop or I'm sitting there running a stapler or uh, taking Scripture signatures off of the press when we're printing. We talk, we fellowship, but my mind's running 100 miles an hour. This is a bread machine we've got here. No one's ever heard me say that when we were there, but I'm thinking this. I said, Lord, we've got a bread machine here. It's producing the loaves of bread, clickety, 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 click. that we can cast upon the waters. We can cast upon the waters. The bread is the Lord Jesus Christ and the printed word. Let me give you some other verses that will help here. Turn to Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, physical bread, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Not just bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. Now let me tell you, God has given us food for our souls. And the printed page, the words of God, are life-giving resources. And we need to get it out there. Well, see, the word of God is the one thing that you see make a difference in the lives of those people in the prison. Isn't that not true? Without a doubt. Give them bread. Give them bread. I like what the black guy who was a gang leader in New York City said, one time when we were at a uh, word life camp up in Scroon Lake, New York, this has been many, many years ago, he stood up there and said, you know what a soul winner is? A soul winner is a beggar who found bread, telling other beggars where he found it. That was so simple and yet so profound. A soul winner is nothing but a beggar who found bread, going around telling other beggars where he found it. And get them all to come to the source. We're producing chunks of bread to send and cast out on the waters. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of thy mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God promised that His Word being bread to the hungry, sent out to the people who need it, will meet their needs. We've got to be bread producers and casting our bread upon the waters. Isn't that simple? God says, My Word is bread to the hungry. They may despise it in some cases. But when you get hungry enough, you'll look for whatever you can find to meet your needs. I've seen people scavenging in the dumpsters looking for a piece of food. I've seen people going to the dumpsters behind a fast food restaurant where they have thrown the food out that they can't sell when they close down. I could tell you of a few people that I met that literally lived off of burgers and fries that were thrown away in fast food restaurants. They'd wait till they closed right here in Rapid City. I can tell you about that In a few other places. They know where they can find this food and they go to get it. But the sad thing of it is we sometimes as Christians are as wasteful as restaurants are with food and we just pass it on by knowing that there's somebody out there that's hungry as can be. Now, let me take you to another place that's important. You've got bread, but there's borders that God sets up. God sets up boundaries and borders. And he said, Cast thy bread upon the waters. Let me prove to you that the word waters, as used in this passage in Ecclesiastes, means nations, tongues, tribes, and peoples. It means the peoples of the world. Number one, it's illogical, and God's not illogical, to throw bread on the physical water. Because it's not likely you're going to find that after many days. And if by chance you do find it after many days, you wouldn't recognize it. And most likely, the birds will catch it, or some fish will eat it first. But watch closely. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 51, verse 13, O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come in the measure of thy covetousness. Now these are not people that lived out on the oceans, or on the bodies of the sea. The Mediterranean Sea. These are people that lived in many different borders. But the verse says they were dwelling upon many waters. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. This is the great harlot chapter. Many people would recognize it right away as the great harlot chapter. And we're not going to get into the prophecy stuff in any form or fashion. Just want to give you some interpretations that are given in this chapter. This great whore, verse 1, Sitteth upon many waters. That's her place of abode. Many waters. Look then at verse 15. Same chapter. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. You see that? Isn't it real simple? The Bible explains itself if we just continue to read. Cast thy bread upon the waters. That is, Sow your seed, the Word of God, among the nations around the world. Get it out there. Get it out there. That's where God wants us to take it. And you know, most of us are so occupied with our personal lives, we have no time to think about the needs of people beyond our own borders. We just simply don't. It's my life and what concerns me. It's whether I'm feeling good or bad, or whether I'm driving a good vehicle or not, or whether I'm living in a good house or not, or whether I'm wearing good clothes or not, or whether I've got this or that or the other thing. If I'm in my comfort zone, everything is fine, and we never stop to think about what's going on in other places. But the world is starving to death for something spiritual. And you and I have the bread factory, do You and I have the answer. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and the living Word of God. You know what you were saved by and I was saved by? How many can raise their hand and say, I know I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Let me give you Bible proof now as to what God used to bring you to salvation. Turn to 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Being born again. Now, how many of you tonight can say, you already raised your hand and said, I know I'm saved. How many know that you're being saved means you were born again? Now, every one of us who were born again we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The gospel is the word of Christ that cuts and pounds away at our hearts. I have such simple, Simple faith that God knows how to use this word better than I do. The best part for me to do is just sow it and trust Him with the results. And that's what Ecclesiastes 11 is saying. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Well, how do we know those heathen are going to listen? Or how do we know they're going to read the Bible? When we went to Mexico on a trip, and several young people were there on that trip to Mexico. How many of you young people remember when we would pass out literature, they didn't throw it in the garbage. They hung on to it. They read those Scripture portions in Spanish. And I'll tell you what, I wish I could keep our kids on those mission fields for a long time because they came back changed. But the biggest problem is most of us lost our burden after we got home. Isn't that sad? We lose our burden. We get caught up with this, that, and the other thing, and we just simply lose our burden. But there are people out there that are ready to receive the Word of the living God. They're hungry for it. And it's that Word that brought me to salvation. The preaching of the Word. The Sunday night I got saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. The preaching of the Word brought me to a saving knowledge of Christ. I was born of the Word of God. Just like this passage says. Now, the next phrase, point number two. After you cast your bread upon the waters, we know what the bread is, and we know the boundaries or the borders. It's the ends of the world. Where the nations, tongues, tribes, and peoples live. He said, after many days you'll find your bread. I thought about that one a great deal. After many days, you'll find your bread. I'll tell you what he means. When the Word of God is sowed, it does not produce a harvest instantly. There are a few cases when it does, but that's because there's been some sowing and praying going on in that person's life prior to our first contact. And if we expect instant results, we are missing the law of the harvest. You sow But you don't reap instantly with the sowing. You put the seed in the ground, and then there's a period of time. After a period of time, you see the crop coming up out of the ground. Well, that's the way it is with sowing God's Word. We cast the bread upon the waters of the nations. We may not know that there's any great results for the time being. But let me tell you, the results start coming after a while. And you know how we recognize the bread that we've sent out? We see it living in someone's life who read it and accepted it, and believed it. What a tremendous testimony when you see the changed life of someone you've given a Scripture portion to. It's that simple. You'll see it after many days. Just go on and sow. Look at the next few verses that are in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's go back there. And he said, You don't know what's going to be successful, this or that, but in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening sow your seed. Verse 6. For thou knowest not whether it shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Just keep on sowing the seed and leave the results to the Lord. Keep on preaching the Word and believe that God's going to produce something as a result of the Word that's going forth. Thou shalt find it after many days. Do you know what Galatians 6.9 says? Be not weary in well-doing. Can you finish the verse? For in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. Keep on sowing and don't give up. 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 Sow in the morning. Sow in the evening. Keep on sowing and don't give up. You say, we're not seeing or hearing much about the results from these Scriptures. Well, after many days, we'll hear some reports. Those guys are getting baptized in Iraq. and are not getting baptized just for because they don't have any Bibles around. Somebody's reading Scripture, and we know for a fact that a missionary who went there to reach the American G.I.s was using some of the John Romans produced in our bread shop. After many days, you'll find your bread and the results in the lives of people. When you see people getting saved and being baptized, after a while you say, there's some of our bread's results. There it is. We found our bread coming back to us. Just keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. You'll find it in different people's lives. That's what it means. After many days, you'll find it. It'll show up in someone's life. Now, I said I was going to pick on one or two. Renee, would you stand up, please? What does your dad do for a livelihood? He's a pastor. Did you grow up in a preacher's home? You grew up in a preacher's home. Was it always pleasant growing up in a preacher's home? That sounded very emphatic to me, did it not? Do you find it difficult to be a preacher's daughter? Do you have any regrets now? didn't think so. I wouldn't have called attention to it if I thought the answer would be some other way. No regrets now. After many days, a God-fearing dad and mom found the bread in the life. Isn't that a blessing? Thank you for staying faithful as a preacher's daughter. After many days, you invest your soul, you teach You train. You invest your soul, you teach You train. And after many days, they grow up. And then it catches on. And God has someone for the next generation. Cast thy bread upon the waters. We're not just sending Scriptures to see people get saved. We're sending Scriptures to save another generation. That's what's going on. You know why Iraq needs Scriptures out of our bread shop? Because that country needs a spiritual revolution. They have enough God-created wealth in that land to not only every person in Iraq be extremely wealthy living in fine houses, but they could make a lot of other people wealthy too. Just from the natural wealth that exists in that land. What's going on? We need to send the bread over there and help them to get going, right? That's what we're going to do. Now, look at the next portion of this passage that I want you to see. We don't know what's going to prosper, this or that. We're to sow. Keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. Why, John Romans? When he said to sow, cast the waters, or cast the bread upon the waters. He said in verse 2, Give a portion to seven and also to eight. You don't know how evil the world is, so it's better to give them a portion than to have nothing to give to them. Which portion of the Bible has the right content to transform lives? That's not to say that people can't get saved from any part of the Bible. They can. But there's great power in the content of the book of John. It's the bread of life book of the New Testament. It's a bread of life book. I am the bread of life. It's the resurrection book of the New Testament. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said in the book of John chapter 11. It's the new birth book of the New Testament. Except a man be born again, John 3, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to get into breaking down the book of John, but boy, it is the life-giving book of the New Testament in more ways than I can talk about, and so is the book of Romans. The book of Romans is an epistle to church in Rome to believers who are now saved and need to grow in grace. They have great instruction out of the book of Romans. There is enough doctrine in the book of Romans alone to build one of the strongest Christians and churches you could ever find if they just mastered the content of the book of Romans. And I'll go into that. But look at the word portion in this passage of Scripture. Give a portion. Give a portion. This is a whole chunk of bread here I have in my hands. This is a whole loaf. How many of you sit down at the table and eat a whole loaf of bread at one time? Other than Brother First and me. But let me point out, the Bible itself says, give a portion. Give a portion to the person who needs salvation. They don't need to be fed the whole Bible at once. They'll choke on it. How many of you, in reading the Bible, find yourself in a quagmire trying to understand all that you're reading? It's just so massive. And you have to back away. Well, let me tell you how to do it. Take a portion at a time. That's the way to feed your spirit on the Word of God. Take a portion at a time. You sit down at the table, you've got your knife and your fork and your spoons, and uh, you've got the food all laid out there, and you uh, take your fork, if you're a country boy and won't take time to cut it with your knife, but anyway, you slice off a little portion, and you stick your fork into that little portion, You lift it to your mouth and put the portion in your mouth and you chew the portion. Wouldn't it be ridiculous for us to try to give somebody a whole steak and say, here, eat this. Shove the whole steak in the mouth. No. Give a portion. That's what the John and Romans boils down to. It's a portion of the whole of God's Word. We're copying the Scriptures, giving a portion. Now, this whole thing is very simple. It's easier, more economical. And it's wiser to give someone a portion than to give them the whole thing at once. I've had one or two people down the road try to make me feel guilty because we're not printing the whole Bible. Said, Don't you think everybody ought to have what you have? You have the whole Bible. Don't you think they need that too? Yes. And when they're ready, as I was ready, they can have it. Did you know I didn't have a Bible until after I got saved? What I needed was a portion of the Bible to bring me under conviction and bring me to salvation. And once I was saved, now I've got more than a portion available to me. I've got a whole piece of bread, and if I want to eat off that end, I can. If I want to eat off this end, I can. If I want to go over to that side and cut a chunk off of that, I can. That's why I have the whole Bible. I can just cut portions from anywhere I want in here. now. But you start by giving someone a portion, and that's in John Romans. It's that simple. It's no big deal. We're just simply following the blueprint here about sowing the Word of God, casting the bread upon the waters, giving a portion to seven and to eight so that they might hear and believe. Turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Russ and Harry, stand up please. These guys were faithful and believed God wanted the printing ministry to be in existence when some in our church doubted as to whether we should even be involved in it at all. But they were faithful. Worked on the buildings. Spent long hours in putting that print shop up. Hour after hour after hour. Because they believed that God wanted us to have a bread factory. Now we weren't putting it in those terms back then. But they believed it with all their heart. They were wise stewards and servants. And they're working now on designs to expand the print shop. Thank God for wise servants. Now, let me finish this verse. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? That's God's purpose. He wants us to do it and give a portion of meat. Well, first stand up. We got acquainted how many years ago? 1985. He finished up Fairhaven and came as pastor to Uh, Central Baptist Church in Gillette, Wyoming. And I called him to welcome him to the area, and we got acquainted as a result of that. And we became friends. Had some competition and school athletics along the way to have a Christian school. We played some games, and uh, we always won those games. (laughs) No, we didn't either. (laughs) Then, through circumstances, it's not important at all at this point, the Lord brought him over to Rapid City and into our church. And have been here in our church ever since. He's been a faithful man. And I'm convinced with all my heart that the Lord is showing all along how God wants to expand this bread factory in a way that only God can. God chooses His servants to do specific things along the way. I can do some things He can do. He can do some things I can do. And God puts people together to accomplish things like that. He's going down to Oklahoma this next week. We need to pray for Him. He's going down there to convince them they need to buy dough for our bread factory. That's right. That's what it boils down to. Invest in dough for the bread factory. Rolls of paper. That's what it is. God's doing it without a doubt. And I praise the Lord for that. that part of our printing ministry. It's a vital part. No one of us can do it all. The amazing thing is not any of us can do it all. But all of us can do something And keep the bed factory open and keep on producing the bread out of that that bread factory to feed the world who has a need for the gospel. Now, faithful men and women. Now, there's a warning in Ecclesiastes. Let me show it to you. Back a long time ago, someone we've supported, Les Hervey was through here and he preached. And he preached from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And I wrote back then in the margin of my Bible the words that he said on the basis of Verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You don't know whether it's going to prosper here or there. And he said, go in the directions of your fears. Go in the direction of your fears. That's victory. When fear strikes me and takes a grip on me, head that direction just as quick as you can. Don't worry about the clouds and the wind. The farmer that sows seed by scattering it with his hand like they did back in the old days. He'd have this pouch on his side. Very impressive seed emblem shows this. He has the pouch on his side. And he reaches his hand in and takes a handful of grain, the seed, and he scatters it. And the wind blows hard. You know what the wind would do with a seed in cases like that? It would blow it off of the field. You keep on sowing even when the wind is blowing. You could say the storms come. I'm afraid because of the storms. I'll guarantee you the storms are going to come. This is 2004. Before this year is out, there will be storms. There will be snowstorms. There will be possibly big snowstorms. I don't want to see one like the saw in '49. There will be snowstorms. There will be thunderstorms. We had one come through here and rip off a third of our roof down here and lay it out in the parking lot a few years ago. We got a new roof out of it. Storms will come. Keep on sowing. Do you know what the good thing about a storm is? It may scatter your seed to places you had no idea something could be produced from that place. you ever wanted to have trees get started in certain places where nobody sowed the seed? The wind blows the little seed through the air. The wind picks it up and scatters it out there. And the very thing that we're afraid of may be the very thing that God uses to scatter the seed And we must not fear the wind, nor the clouds. If problems arise, don't let them overcome you. Overcome the problems. Difficulties come along, don't let them overcome you. Overcome the difficulties. And keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. There will be a harvest. Sow, sow, sow. But there's one ingredient in this ministry that we must never overlook. And it's not in Ecclesiastes. You know where it is? Psalm 126. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The thing that's missing in most of this is the tears, the broken heart. Since we live next to the print shop, I will often go out in the backyard and I'll walk around the building. Just walk around the building and look. Go inside. I'll walk up and down the aisles by the equipment, back by the dark room. Now I'll think about the activity that goes on in there. And after a while, the reality of the whole thing hits you. And the brokenness for the loss of the world that is so vital. Oh God, may we never lose, may we never lose sight of what this is all about. May we never lose it. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Now you can pump up and prime up tears if you're a good actor. But that's not what Psalm 126 is talking about. This is a genuine burden that produces the tears, the broken heart. That's what makes it worthwhile. Let me ask you, has the sowing of the seed and the producing of the portions gotten a grip on the heart where it produces the tears? Do you know why we have had a successful band ministry? Because I've seen a lady weep for those kids. I've seen the tears. You know why this church is still here? Because there have been people who wept over this church. Do you know why the Lord sent us a choir director? Because the choir wept over my directing. (laughs) Oh, God, give us somebody, please. (laughs) Jonathan and Sally came up the other day for our Christmas. We don't get to spend a whole lot of time together as a father and a son. So I said to Jeannie and family, Jonathan and I are going to go for a short trip. And uh, got in the car, he said, where are we going? I said, oh, it doesn't matter. So we were just driving, father and son. We left the women folk at home. We drove up to the Civic Center. You see, he has a similar like that I have, and that's vehicles. And they were having the Civic Center sale. I didn't go to buy. I went to look. And I found the one that I wanted to buy so bad. It was a Ford Mustang, blaze red, Part of the engine sticking up out of the hood. It had bucket seats and dual fast packs. And it had less than 6,000 miles on it. And it had five on the floor. If I could have gotten it out of that Civic Center and took it for a drive, I probably would have. But when I saw the price tag on it, I said, this is not what I need. It's what I'd like. Now, we just enjoyed talking cars. You know, dad and son. We just enjoyed talking cars. And so happened that an old employer of his was there, Wes. Wes is a salesman now. He used to own and manage Bonanza. And when he did, Jonathan worked at Bonanza when he was still in high school. He worked there in a restaurant. And so, first time I crossed paths with Wes, and we'd often go there to eat and visit with him a little bit, he said, how's Jonathan doing? He remembered his name, just like that. How's Jonathan doing? I said, oh, he's just as mean as ever. He's doing fine. I know Wes was going to be there, but I spotted him over there and we waited around until Wes was free and we could just chit-chat. So he and Jonathan reminisced a bit about his working in the restaurant. We visited for a little bit and then we started talking about character, how the multitudes of people get in trouble because of a lack of character. He's talking about one of his partners in the restaurant business. You know, names and situations are not that vital, but it was weighing heavy on him one of the reasons why he sold and got out of that business. The lack of character. And the point I'm making is that when it came to the matter of paying bills, that means so much. And that's because of what this book says. And I said, one of the reasons why I love my son and I'm proud of him is that he would always pay his bills. I put my hand on Jonathan's shoulders. And when I made that comment, I remembered when things were very Very hard for him and Sally. But he paid his bills. He paid them off. And about that time, I couldn't stop the tears from coming. And Wes is looking at me, and did you know he was about to have a tear in his eyes? Almost. That wasn't planned. But I'll tell you one thing. There's power in tears. Did you know God saves your tears in bottles? Any of you knew that? That's in the Bible. God saves our tears in bottles. How many bottles do you have of tears for the loss of this world? And the giving of the Word of God. When I thought, we're not going to get this printing ministry off the ground. We're going to have to give that equipment to somebody else. There were a lot of tears. And I said, oh God, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. And we're seeing the results, aren't we? Anybody here got any regret that we're involved in a bread-making factory? I am so thrilled to death that we've got that ministry and that God's blessed it and used it and he's still doing that and will continue to do it and we're producing portions of bread for people on the waters from the east to the west and we'll see it come back after many days and we may not see all the results until we get to heaven but I'll tell you what i am so confident that God's faithful we must sow in the morning sow in the evening keep on sowing don't regard the wind don't regard the clouds Keep on going. That's us bow our heads. If you do not know Christ, tonight's the night to give your heart to Him. Surrender your heart to Christ. Tonight. If you're saved, and you haven't sold out lock, stock, and barrel to the Lord, where you said, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Use me in anything and in any way you want to use me. Use me. Do so tonight. Don't put it off. When we go to work in the print shop, let's remember the joy comes to people's hearts whose lives are changed by the simple word of the living God. And let's keep on going for God's glory. Father, may anyone respond tonight in any way they need to, for any purpose, I ask it in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, heads bowed. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap, if you faint not. God's going to produce a harvest from His Word. The question is whether we're faithful to be there when the harvest comes in. I want to be present when the harvest comes. I want to see the rejoicing as people come bringing their sheaves with them after they've gone forth sowing precious seed. I love it with all my heart. It is so dear to my heart to put God's Word together and send it to the ends of the world. This book has been the treasure of the life, and I want everybody to have a portion of it. Let's do our best. Give it all we've got. On Sunday nights, for a while, I'll go into the books of John and Romans to give you reasons why we use those books. It's special.